Amen. So John chapter 15, the Lord is continuing in uh, encouraging and comforting the uh, disciples. He's about to uh, be crucified. And uh, 14, 15, and 16, those chapters in John, are the Lord comforting uh, and uh, giving uh, encouragement to the disciples. So as we're getting into uh, this this morning, just realize that's what's happening. It's a discourse uh, from the Lord to the disciples, uh, preparing them for what's ahead and uh, trying to uh, not only prepare them uh, mentally, but spiritually, and uh, that they would know when he's gone how to conduct themselves. Because how they conduct themselves is going to, uh, everybody's going to be able to see that uh, when, whenever they're out ministering. And then when we see how the Lord worked in their lives and we learn from it, then how do we conduct ourselves? You know, uh, when, when Paul wrote, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, th those, those, uh, those things that are so important for us to learn that the Lord spoke them uh, to the disciples, the disciples obeyed them displayed them and and uh, now we can learn uh, how we're supposed to live and uh, we're supposed to learn from each other we're supposed to be sharpened uh, by one another and by the word so uh, John chapter 15 verse 1 Jesus is continuing he says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit so Jesus identifies himself as the true vine this is the last of the I am statements uh, the the seven I am statements uh, that uh, Jesus makes in uh, the book of John so uh, he, he calls himself the true vine and uh, it's a very practical thing for him to say for that culture uh, it was uh, very much built on uh, in, uh, on a wine and vineyards, and uh, they were very prominent. So he's speaking something very familiar to them. And uh, as the disciples are listening, uh, they realize uh, that, that he's, he's teaching them something uh, that, that uh, is, is going to uh, build them up. And when, so when he calls them himself the true vine here, uh, they understand what he's saying here. And uh, for us, when we look at this, God knows how to reach us individually. Each one of us. He knows how to speak to us. If you've ever been in a spot where you, uh, I don't know, um, remember Ken Graves teaching years ago of, of uh, if you, if you want to be a rebel, you got to do what everybody else isn't doing. You know, you're not a rebel if, if you're walking around with all the other rebels doing what all the other rebels are doing. You know, you're, you're, you're not any different than, you're just like everybody else. What does a rebel want to be? Like, not like anybody else, but what ends up happening is in their sinfulness, everybody will dive into that. I'm going to be just like everybody else and do my own thing. Jesus, uh, what, what, um, sorry, what Ken was saying, not Jesus, what Ken was saying is you need to go in the opposite direction. Turning to the Lord is, is, is true rebellion in this world, to rebel against the world and turn to Christ. You know, and, and you may find it, we may find in ourselves that we're no longer, uh, you know, uh, accepted. We don't, not everybody's speaking our language. Not everybody's going to understand who we are, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows how to speak to us. The Lord was ministering to these disciples, and he's using uh, something they're very familiar with to, to grab their hearts and to speak to them and, and to teach them his truth. So he says, I am the true vine. And uh, when we're speaking of vines, uh, what does a vine do? It provides nutrients needed for life to, uh, to sustain. And uh, all the, those, uh, the nourishment is going to come from that vine. 
as they're properly nourished, they're going to produce fruit. Uh, they have to be connected to the vine to produce fruit. If something's disconnected from the vine, death is going to come from that. It's going to get dried up and withered. And we'll talk some more about that as we go. So, uh, it, you know, especially in that day, the religious system was not uh, relying on, was not connected to the Lord and, and uh, was more focused on uh, honoring the traditions of man than over the word of God. And uh, they, they, were, they were separating themselves uh, from God while convincing themselves that they were doing the Lord's will. And we see that uh, as, as Jesus ministered, how many times he called them out, that they, they were not uh, plugged into the Lord. They weren't connected to the Lord as they were supposed to be. He says, my father is the vine dresser. You know, King James Version will call that a husbandman. And uh, that's one that tends to the vine uh, to ensure that there are no dead branches and to take away uh, those things that the, that the uh, branch would be healthy. And uh, the vine dresser was responsible for the healthy growth of the vine and the branches and the fruit. And they would remove what is unproductive so that uh, the, uh, the only thing that's there that remained would be uh, the thing that would help produce stronger uh, branches and better fruit. So that, that vine dresser is there tending to, uh, to the vine. And, uh, you know, God is serious, uh, like a vine dresser about the health of the church and the health of his children. And, uh, he's, he's very faithful to, uh, to look at our lives. And, you know, we have the Holy spirit here, uh, that wants to move, wants to ensure that we're producing proper fruit. So as we progress through this, we're going to talk more about each of these things uh, and and understand a little bit more of, of what he's saying here. But uh, it's uh, when when it says here uh, that he uh, that he he bears uh, that every every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So uh, we'll we'll talk about because the pruning is happening. The one that's producing fruit and then one that isn't. And uh, there's one that's uh, that's uh, cut away and thrown away and burned and one that's cut away so that it can, it can continuously uh, provide good fruit. Now, Scripture often depicts Israel as a vineyard. Uh, and uh, when we are looking at uh, you know specific things like Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now let me sing uh, to my well-beloved, this is Isaiah uh, speaking of God, uh, a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in the midst and also a winepress in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes but it brought forth wild grapes. And now speaking in the voice of the Lord, verse 3, it says, And now, O inhabitants of Israel, uh, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, between, uh, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? So when the Lord is using Israel as an example and uh, in, in, in describing Israel as a vineyard, uh, and then it describes him in here in Isaiah as the vine dresser, as the one. And it says that he, he in verse 2, that he dug it up, he cleared out the stones, and he planted it in the choicest vine. 
uh, and he built a tower in its midst and also put a wine press. You put the wine press there because you're expecting there to be good fruit that you can press that. Uh, press the grape, get the blood out of the grape, and then uh, and produce the wine. But there's something that happens between uh, verse uh, 2. It says here that uh, he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. So he had everything set for good grapes. He he had So this is talking about the work that he did in Israel, that it was all set. It was it should have been producing good fruit, but it wasn't. And, uh, and then in the Lord's voice, now, uh, this is important looking at verse 3. It says, between me and my vineyard, he's saying, you know, is Jerusalem and, uh, and Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done my vineyard, uh, to my vineyard that I have not done in it? The Lord said, did I, did I miss something? The answer is obviously no. That's a rhetorical question. You know, what more could have been done? Nothing. It's, it's Israel being disobedient. And that's that's the problem here, because uh, God, as the, the vine dresser, tended to it. He cleaned it up. He planted it where it should have been and, and expected a good harvest. But uh, there were wild grapes instead of good grapes. Now, these verses, verses one and two, back in John 15, says that he takes away these branches that were never properly abiding in the vine, evident of their lack of fruit. So none of the fruits of the spirit uh, would be would be present. We're going to talk about those uh, and the, the, the fruit that the Lord is looking for uh, in the life of a believer. Uh, you know, these come as a result of the Holy Spirit working in us, not because we're such good people. It's the spirit that works, the spirit that prunes and makes us uh, fruitful as we're uh, abiding in Christ then we are going to be producing fruit in our life that's going to glorify God. So uh, I like here that it says that every branch is pruned. You know, the fruitful to be more fruitful and the unfruitful to be removed. Uh, you know, for us as Christians, uh, we can look at this verse, and uh, if we are plugged into the Lord and, and walking strongly with Him, we can know that the Lord is still going to maintain us by His Spirit, through His Word, going to maintain us. We have to be properly maintained because if, if if we get to a point where we start getting complacent in our faith, then, oh, hey, this is growing. This is growing. It shouldn't be. And we're, we're removing ourselves uh, from the Lord. And uh, so we it's he's in his faithfulness still pruning us. And, you know, there are things in life that we may have the freedom to do in our life, but God might want to prune that away from us that we might grow in our walk. There are things that might that aren't that so so we can we can move sin aside. We we know that the Lord wants to remove sin from us, but there might be things that aren't necessarily uh, sinful in our lives that need to be removed specific specifically from our lives. Uh, it might be something as simple as TV. It might be what we're listening to on the radio. It might be hobbies. It might be sports. It might be those things that that have have taken a place. Of, of more importance than they should. Or it might be something that the Lord wants us to, hey, I want you to be completely and solely focused. This may, may come back into your life. As, as you say you love doing a sport or you love doing fishing or whatever it is, and that's what you focus on on, you know, uh, on, on your weekends. On Saturday morning, you get up and you go fishing, and the Lord says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to wake up in the morning, and I want you to be in the Word on Saturday morning. He may do that, not necessarily that they're wrong, but there are things that he wants to prune that we might be properly nourished, that we might produce a, a good fruit. So just uh, just know that this isn't always only speaking to a corrective thing, but uh, the Lord is, as it says in verse 1 and 2, that, that uh, both 
are being pruned, the good, the, the good branch and the branch that isn't. One's being cut off, and the branch that, that is there that is producing fruit, he's going to properly maintain that, that we might produce a lot of fruit, much fruit, it says, uh, that we would grow healthy and produce good fruit in our lives. Verse 3, Jesus says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. They're already clean because of Jesus' word. You know, they had heard and they had believed the word that Jesus spoke to them, and they, they believed in him. And we know that the word prunes and, uh, and does a cleansing work in our lives. That the word is, as, as it comes uh, and, and works in our lives, it condemns sin and it prunes things out of our lives. Uh, and God's word has the power to also cleanse us. So those those pruning, the pruning happens, but also we're cleansed. So when Jesus says you're already cleaned because of the word that I have spoken to you, that the word cleans us. If we uh, find ourselves uh, struggling, I've got it, I can't let this go. This thing right here just keeps coming up in my life. The answer is the word. The answer is being connected to the vine, abiding in Christ, and diving into the word, and let the word of Christ uh, minister to us. And we're going to get into a lot of this uh, as we go through. Uh, the word itself isn't just uh, you know a bunch of words on a piece of paper. When Hebrews describes the word as living and powerful, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and to the joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is alive and powerful. It's not just a thing that exists. This, the, these, these words that are on the paper that we're reading are alive. And as we read them, the Holy Spirit teaches us. He builds us. He, he strengthens us. Uh, he may use the word to correct us when we need to be corrected. The word is alive and powerful. 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see the theme. That's being said that, that the word is alive and powerful and that the word makes us complete and thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped. We're not supposed to just have the word and have access to it and be partially equipped. The word is talking about being thoroughly equipped, being much equipped, being ready. Uh, we should be as we're progressing in our faith as time goes and, and, and as we're walking with the Lord. If we remain steadfast and our, our, our focus is, is solely set on the Lord, it's impossible for us not to grow. It's impossible for us to not be strong in our faith as we're continuing to walk with him. It's when we disconnect. And, as Will years ago described, to drift, all we need to do is untie from the dock and the, and the tide will take us out. Right? You don't have to just untie and floor it. You can do it. We've done that all. I'm sure it's at times we say, ah, that's it. I'm going to go my own way. And we find ourselves lost out to sea or whatever. And God's, you know, dragging us back. And, uh, you know, it just reminds me, I, uh, we like to kayak as a family. And, um, you know, we've, uh, we all have our own kayaks. And, and I remember we got out to where we were going and we were just uh, kayaking. You know, it can be tough if you're, if you're, you know, 
I don't know how old Natalie would have been. Probably not. Well, I'll say nine when we bought them, eight or nine. And you know, she's going. She's got her little kayak there, and she gets tired. Dad, I'm tired. You know, and so here I go. I got to go back to her, and I got to make a makeshift tether, drag her along. And then I've got a picture. I found it actually recently. And Natalie's just laying, laying, just totally sunbathing as I'm pulling her and her weight and everything. You know, we can get to that point where where we've just, we, you know, we we need the Lord to help us. We need to grab us and to drag us back in. And He's so faithful to do it. He is. Another thing about the the word, as as I spoke of uh, earlier, is that the word convicts our souls of sin. And leads us to confessing and forsaking that sin, uh, which results in us being cleansed. First John chapter one verse nine: If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Word cleanses us. The Word is what does the work in us and builds us. Uh, so when Jesus says that, uh, just just know that a, the the book that we have in our hand is alive. It's it, and powerful. And when when Hebrews describes it as something so sharp that it can it can separate uh, bone and marrow, that's that's quite a sharpness there uh, that uh, that that's just available to us as we open the Word, and it's it's that sharp, and it works so powerfully and effectively uh, to equip us and to to, to build us. That's uh, so as we get into the Word now. Um, Ephesians uh, five twenty six speaks of the washing of the water by the word, and uh, you know as we spend time in the word and meditate on it and believe in it and submit to it, uh, we experience that washing of the water by the word. Now that's being used in the context of a husband ministering to his wife, uh, but no doubt very powerful for us that that the the water of the word would wash us. Verse four. The Lord speaking still, he says, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So as we consider those two verses, we understand that abiding in Christ is the most powerful part of the Christian life. That if we are not abiding in Christ, uh, you know, we have to realize that, as Jesus said here, without him we can do nothing. So that abiding in Christ and, you know, being connected to him. And, and how does that happen? It happens by the power of the Spirit and as we uh, practice our faith daily, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Those are the four main food groups that a Christian should have, that we're in the word constantly, that we're in fellowship. You've heard me say it before, and I'll be the broken record here. Yes, we can, we can partake in church online. We can partake uh, in worshiping God, walking out in the woods, going fishing, doing all those things. But the word of God commands us to be together. And that's for a reason, that we might be in fellowship together to sharpen, right? Uh, uh, where, where Proverbs is talking about the sharpening, that you know, as iron sharpens iron, so uh, one man's uh, countenance sharpens the other. It's, it's, it's essential for us to be together. 
to be here gathered together uh, that we might lift our voices and hearts together. You know, the Lord didn't say, you know, go forth, make disciples of all nations and be by yourselves. He did. He, he spread them out. But did you notice as, as the disciples are sent out, uh, when the Lord would send them, he'd send them two by two. And then they would gather together. They'd go, hey, you guys go here, you go here, and then we're going to gather together. We're going to have church. We're going to meet together as the church. And they would, they would gather together, and they'd lift their voices, lift their hearts. And, and uh, the word was uh, just uh, spreading. You know, that, that regular, not only that, but regular church attendance. Regular. It's so important, especially for us that are parents. Guys, the, the world that we are in right now is looking to devour our children. Our enemies looking to devour it by all kinds of different means. They're getting attacked left and right, just like we do. If we're living under uh, you know, some sort of, of uh, mindset and, and delusion that, that our children, because they're young, aren't a target of our enemy, oh my goodness, we have to realize they are the target. You know, they, they just just think, OK, get that young uh, that, that that young group of people as they come up through. OK, they're good. Oh, they're all off into sin. And then we're going to get the younger one. And it's just it's going to continue there. Oh, regular church attendance that our kids are here, that they're growing, that they're getting the word of God. They, they have to. They have to be here. And it's important for us to be in regular church. I'm not saying uh, if you're not here Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night, that you're in sin, anything like that. But I encourage you, every opportunity that you are available for to be in the Word of God with other brothers and sisters, do it. That's how we grow. That's how we're strengthened. That's how this body is strengthened together. That's how we grow, is by the Word of God. If we are, as parents displaying to our children an inconsistency in our faith, they are going to grow to be inconsistent in their faith or forsake their faith altogether. There's such a need for us to be steady in our walk with the Lord and that they would see it. And I realize some of us don't have, uh, you know, you may have grandchildren, whatever. I mean, how many times, uh, who was I talking with? I was talking with somebody, I think it was yesterday or Friday, I was having a conversation uh, with somebody, and, and they were mentioning, you know what? For me, it was my grandmother. And uh, they were just talking about their grandmother, just constantly speaking into their lives. Uh, and and uh, because their parents weren't, weren't leading them in the Lord, but they knew their grandmother was. And every time they were with their grandmother, their grandmother's speaking the word of God into their lives. You know, I see uh, some, we have, we have some families here that are bringing their grandkids. <laughs> it's so awesome. The parents... Still need, you know, to come to the Lord or whatever. But when I see people bringing their grandkids here, I am so blessed. You know, those kids are being exposed to the word of God because we know what's out there. It's, it, this, this world has turned its back on the Lord and uh, there's, there's nothing that's going to nourish them and, and build them uh, like being here, uh, being in the word. Now it's amazing as we as we consider Jesus saying that He is the the vine and we are the branches. That consider that Christ wants us to abide in Him. Christ wants that relationship with us, and uh, just when we think of His grace, you know uh, that He wants that relationship. He He died that that relationship might come. 
So if we're ministering to people and they're saying, yeah, you know, I, I just can't go. Yes, you can. He wants you to come to him and he wants you to be connected to him. He wants you to see uh, to, to see that there's a sustenance in a relationship with him. And he wants to prune whatever junk was in your life away. And he wants you to have a, a fulfilled life connected to him. And it, not only that, but he wants to use you, you know, that that gospel would be on our lips and sharing. So he's, he's speaking here uh, in verse four, he says, a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And, you know, just as a, a branch is dead, we uh, when separated from the vine, there's the uh, there's the problems that begin in our lives. You know, as, as he is the supplier of our lives, as I spoke earlier, it's impossible for us to bear fruit that's pleasing to God if we're apart from Christ. If there's if there's something that we know that is that is on our heart that the Lord is trying to prune from our life and God is saying hey that right there putting my finger right on it as the Holy Spirit so faithful to do and we are being disobedient to it we're going to be stagnant in our faith we're going to be stuck right there the Lord saying I want that out I want it in and he's going to continue to say hey that needs to go that because he's faithful and we need to be obedient and let him uh, just prune that away whatever it is don't hold on to anything you know, when I've done that in my life and I've just I've just experienced frustration and a stagnance in my faith. And we don't we don't want that state. As Jesus is speaking here uh, that he's expecting for fruit to be present in our life, there's an expectation uh, that, that we are supposed to bear fruit. And, you know, we can't be as Christians, you know, silent Christians that we're, we're, we're secret, we're undercover Christians. And uh, we're never going to say or, or do anything to practice our faith publicly. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to grab sandwich boards and run up and down the road and, and point at people with a megaphone. And, you know, but when the Lord is opening the doors, don't be afraid. God has opened the door. He's, he's opened that opportunity up. Then we get the chance to have the conversation. It might be very brief. It might be an in-depth conversation, whatever it is. Go into it. And as you're talking, pray to the Lord. Just pray. Lord, give me the words to say. And he's, he's going to, he's, he's promised that. He's going to give us that. Just, Lord, help me to minister. We are supposed to be producing fruit in our life. <clears throat> have to share. As we're <clears throat> considering abiding in our faith and uh, just the continuing it's often going to be a time where we need to persevere in our faith that we are we are not called to uh, just uh, proclaim that that uh, we want the Lord to be our Savior the one that that we're connected to one time in our life that once saved always saved uh, argument there and we'll talk about that here in a moment but we're supposed to continue in our faith as Colossians 123 says that if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which i paul became a minister indeed if you continue in the faith the need to continue in our faith it, that that as we continue in our faith and we're walking with the lord fruit is going to happen but as we start getting into a part where we're floundering around or we're following uh, after the things that, that we shouldn't be, that's when we're not going to experience that growth. But, but Paul is saying here, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, 
If we can't examine ourselves and see that we're grounded and steadfast, go to the Lord right now in prayer and, and just say, Lord, I need that in my life. You know, if we can't reflect and go, oh, you know what? I'm being completely disobedient right there. I encourage you to confess, forsake it right now between you and the Lord as we're here. Because once we leave here, there's a whole bunch of distractions and, you know, and our enemy does not want us hearing this. So, hey, okay, that was in church. Now it, it, that conviction is just in there. Uh, just, just keep going. Everything's okay. That is not the case at all. We need to be obedient uh, to the Lord. Speaking of once saved, always saved, I consider that a very dangerous doctrine. And uh, the reason I do is because it leaves a lot of room to remain in the flesh and to, to continue in compromise. And, uh, you know, we can't abide in Christ and have habitual sin at the same We can't say, I am connected to the vine, uh, but I'm not letting this go. We're going to stay. We're going to have that stagnant growth, right? The Lord's saying, I need to prune that from your life. Can you let it go from your fingers? No, I got to keep hold of it. I got to have it. You know, and the Lord's just, we're, we're at a point where, okay, well, you're not going to grow or whatever's going to be there is just going to wither up. The Lord wants to remove that from us. That, that, that thing, whatever it is, uh, as, as Hebrews tells us, and we'll get into it here, the, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, the Lord doesn't want that. So uh, Romans 6, verses 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How, should we, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? There's got to be a, it's about abiding in Christ. We can't go to the point where I once prayed a prayer. Uh, so, you know, I'm good to go and I'm going to skip along and be live in complete disobedience of the Lord because you'll know them by your fruit. Right. That's what the Lord was talking about with with uh, false teachers. It's by the fruit, by the by the product of their life, whatever they're producing, whatever is shown. The Lord is expecting good fruit from us. The Lord expects that from the Christian. Those that are walking in him, that are in his word, that bear his name, he's expecting good fruit. Just like he did from Israel back in Isaiah 5 when we, when we looked at that. The Lord can say, so what more could I have done in your life? Remember he said that to Israel. What more could I have done? I've, I've set everything up perfectly. It's when we get in the way. Now we have to abide in Christ. As we abide in him, uh, that's, that's where the, the growth comes Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance, endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking at the vine, right? <clears throat> Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus has given us the ultimate example of abiding. He's saying, I abide in my father, abide in me as I abide in my father. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But Jesus gives us that perfect example of abiding. And, and understand that abiding in Christ isn't by our own strength. The Holy Spirit living in us causes that to happen. We just need to be obedient and follow the Lord. Romans 6, verses 21 through 23 says, What fruit did you then uh, did you have then in the things which of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free 
from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That fruit that's being mentioned in Romans 6 there. There's a fruit that leads to death and there's a fruit that is uh, leads to holiness and the end everlasting life. We want that fruit in our life, the fruit that comes uh, from a relationship with God. Jesus said here in this, uh, this portion that we're studying, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. The Christian who's connected to him will be well nourished and produce good fruit in our lives. And that pleases God and it blesses all around us. And we'll talk about, you know, what, what does that mean? Fruit? What it, we'll talk about that here in just a, a few moments. Verse 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. The religious system uh, that was in place was not of God, and as I said earlier, they were more about honoring uh, their traditions than uh, over the word of God. Uh, those, uh, this is also speaking of those that never abided in Christ in the first place, and they've been separated uh, from the one that provides the nourishment. And we'll see here, as you look at this this verse here in verse six, there's a digression that happens. That there's they're cast out, withered, gathered, thrown, burned. There's that digression that happens from being separated from the vine, and it's the exact opposite of the result of abiding. You know, there, there's uh, what's being described here is that dried up, withered, uh, rather than a life of fulfilled and and uh, well nourished in Christ that we're producing fruit. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you that we would abide in him and let his word abide in us. Colossians 3.16, though I'll read the first line of it, says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. When, when, when the Lord says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. How do we do that? By letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let his word dwell in us. That we're spending time in his word. The, the word of Christ dwelling. He's everything we need, and he said everything we need to hear. There isn't a situation that we might be facing that the word can't address. It's all there. The word, the word is there. It's, it, the word is everything we need, uh, and, and Christ is the all-sufficient one. And as we're abiding in him, it says, you will ask what you desire. You know, as we're abiding in him and his word is dwelling in us richly, then the Lord himself is our delight. Psalm uh, 37, verse 4 and 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That's the relationship the Lord wants in us, that he would be our desire, so that when we, when we go, it's not, he's not speaking here, of, of this great desire, whatever you ask, you know, I'm, I'm, we talked a little bit about it last week, that God's our genie, and whatever I ask, you said you'd give it to me in Jesus' name. No, he's talking about when he is our delight, 
then we're going to ask for godly things and he's going to give them. To, we're, when we go to the Lord and we ask God, give me success in ministering to a, a co-worker. Give me success in, in sharing with a, 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 a lost loved one. Whatever it is, he's going to give us it. God, give me the boldness to do so. You know, God, give me the strength I need to live the life that you're calling me to. He's going to. He, 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 those are the promises of the Lord, and we should never question uh, his, his word. He's, he's, he's uh, the one that we can trust with everything. Verse 8 says, uh, by this my Father is glorified. So if you back up to verse 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So God is glorified when we bear the fruit of the Spirit. When we bear fruit, it glorifies God, and uh, it, our lives become a reflection of his work as his followers. If you would turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. So take a right, keep your uh, marker or your finger there. Uh, but we're going to uh, turn to a couple verses, a couple different passages this morning. Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 16. Galatians 5.16, Paul writing to the church in Galatia, verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and, though, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are the works of the flesh. Those are the things that participating in those things, rejecting Christ and choosing those things rather than following the Lord, are the things that where, where Paul is saying right there, that those who are, are habitually living their lives and following those things uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit, what is the Christian supposed to produce? What is Jesus talking about when he's talking about the fruit that a Christian is supposed to have in our lives? That as we abide in him, we are going to produce this fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The first one, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Lord is... Uh, the, the Lord wants to work in our lives. He wants us to be connected to him, to abide in him. And as we abide in him and we're obeying him, this is going to be the result of our life. If we want to be disobedient, 
we can look at these other things and say, hey, you know what? I just want to habitually live in this state. And what happens? God is talking about the pruning. I would rather have him perfect me and, and work in me and perfect my joy than to be at the point where I'm at risk of being cut off and, and because I've rejected Christ and I've rejected his word. But what I'd rather have said of me is that I'm a person that's filled with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things, if those things are evident in our lives, it's going to be seen by all. Within the church, outside the church. If we're if we come here, we can come here. You guys all know we can. It's easy to go anywhere and hide whatever we're going through in our lives, right? Hey, how you doing today? Great, man. How are you? Did you have a good week? Yeah, great. When you didn't, when you didn't at all, you know, I was so blessed uh, here recently. I had a conversation with a young man, just like, hey, how was your weekend? It's awful. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope the rest of your week goes well. He goes, it has to. You know, I didn't. I didn't have the time. He kept, kind of kept walking. I'm like, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I, I hope you have a have a good week. You know, it's it, we we can sometimes just hide those things and bury them, uh, and uh, and we can come here and say, you know what? I know the Lord is is convicting me. I know, and, and nobody else knows it. The Holy Spirit knows it. And we're, and what we're doing is we're stunting our own growth. What we're doing is 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 causing ourselves to live in a state of just dryness. You know, the Lord does. He wants to prune those things out. And, you know, as the church, oh, let the church be known. The church worldwide and the church here at Calvary Chapel down east and the church in Maine, uh, everywhere, that the church would be known for these things. Love. The first thing, love. Oh, my goodness. Joy. Yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, you know, uh, oh, did you guys know that guy's a Christian? No, no. I thought he was going to stab me on you know, my break. You know, when I asked him how his weekend was, right? It's, people are watching. You know, the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in our lives. Should be evident. In verse 9, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, that we would abide in Christ's love, is what's being saying, said here. Now, uh, God's agape love, you know, there's, there's phileo, that that brotherly love or friendship love. There's eros, the worldly love. Oh, I love you, I love you. You know, I, I'm always, I'm always um, intrigued when I read. Uh, I've, I've seen a love note from a kid on a, on on the ground or whatever, and it's written in crayon or whatever. I love you. All those things and just filled with emotion and everything. But God's love, abiding in in His love. So when Jesus is saying this, He's speaking of of His love of. Uh, you know, the agape love, goodwill, benevolence, you know, willful delight, that, that the, the agape love, that his joy would remain in us. And with him in our lives, as we abide in him, we experience the fulfilling joy that's only found in Christ. We're only going to find the joy that we truly are, are seeking in our life uh, by having a proper relationship with Christ. Would you turn me one more time to First uh, uh, Corinthians 13? Familiar passage, I'm sure. Probably heard it at weddings. 
completely heathen weddings. <laughs> Sometimes I've heard this. I've heard this read. At, you know, complete heathen we- heathen wedding. Oh, love suffers long, and like six months later, they they've you know both committed adultery, and there's no you know that 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 suffering long. I don't know how long it lasted, uh, or or they just. That 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 love, love, love. This is this is agape love. This is God's love. First Corinthians thirteen, verse one. Paul writing to the church at Corinth regarding love. He says, "Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries." And all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not, have not love, it profits me nothing. Love, so he's saying, these are all things of displays of what, what can be considered selflessness. But he's talking about if I do all these things, but I don't have love, you know, I'm a clanging cymbal. Uh, I'm, I'm a sounding brass. You know, I'm nothing. If I don't have love, I can do all these things, but if I don't do it in love, it means nothing is what Paul is saying. Paul describes what God's love is. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love uh, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And if you move to verse 13, it says, And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Notice the word abide. The word abide is there. If we want to be Christians that are reflecting our Savior, we need to pray for him to fill us with his love. If we want to produce, if you look at what, what is the description of love that Paul gives from verse 4 on, and you match that up with what we just read in Galatians 5, they go right together of the fruits of the Spirit. Why? Because it's the same Holy Spirit doing the same work in our lives. We want God's love filling our hearts, giving us the joy that Jesus is speaking of, but that we are a joy to be around, that we uh, people want to hear what we have to say, that they know that we love them because God loves us and we're sharing God's love with them. Now, Jesus is continuously speaking of love and obedience uh, in this discourse. You can go all the way back to when he started uh, and, and read about the commandments to his disciples uh, to love one another. You know, that in, in what he says here, uh, he's talking about a uh, correlation between love and obedience to God, to God's word. Those things have to be evident and uh, in our lives. And those are the works of the Holy Spirit that he's that he's doing. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
know, because we love him, keeping his commandments shouldn't be hard. If we are where we're at in our relationship with the Lord, keeping God's commandments should not be difficult. What are what are the two when when you look at the whole law and you look at everything that's in there? There's a lot. You know, you can start reading through and okay, am I supposed to do this? Is Jesus summarized it all. And he said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law can be put up in that. You look at the, the, at the, uh, the Ten Commandments, the first four have to deal with us in our relationship with God, and then six of them are us in our relationship with our fellow man and woman. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These things uh, should not be difficult if we're properly connected to the Lord. If we're noticing that some of these things are hard, reflect on our faith. Reflect on where we're at. Lord, show me. Where am I? If there's a compromise, and if we know the compromise, Lord, help me to let it go. Whatever it is, because all it's, I'm not a blessing uh, to even myself. Uh, and I'm not a blessing to anybody else because I'm, I'm not properly connected uh, to you, Lord, you know, prune me. We're, you know, get that out of my life. Help me. I don't have the the strength to do it. Your spirit, have your way in me. And as we pray, He's going to give us those. You know, if we struggle to do so, we can go to Him. You know, Colossians two verses two and th uh, three verses two and three says, "Set your mind on things above, and not on uh, on the earth. For you died, and your life was hidden with God, uh, with Christ in God. That we would set our mind." On on the uh, the eternal things, you know, when we get focused on what's going on here, we get distracted. We get to the point where something's gonna something else is gonna pop up in our lives that's gonna need to be uh, pruned out. Just just trust in the Lord and and seek Him and, and continue with Him. And just like the Son kept the Father's word, you know, and and abide in His love, that He's the ultimate example. When He says that, Jesus Christ is our ultimate example. You know, he so focused on the Father's will and, and uh, so focused on saying what he was supposed to say and doing what he was supposed to do uh, that we would understand uh, his example and follow it. As we abide in him, we experience joy and that joy of fulfillment from him. You know, Jesus said that my commandment, uh, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, Jesus has the authority command, and he does. The command is love. Love sometimes takes work, doesn't it? It takes work. We got to, you know, be ready. You know, it's not just, oh, bliss and floating and everything. There, you know what? We have to practice love. Practice love for each other, even in this church, in this building. Yes, in marriages and family, all these things, but love has to be practiced. We have to submit our will to the Lord. Lord, I do not want to go have this conversation. I don't want to share love. I don't, whatever it is. And as we're obedient, he's going to bless us. And then we're going to experience his joy as we're obedient to him. You know, there's, uh, you, you consider, remember, remember when Peter asked, Lord, you know, if somebody sins against me, you know, so what, if, what if it's 70 times seven? Yes. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, you know, no, if my, if my, if somebody sins against me seven times in a day and the Lord says, yes, even 70 times seven, you are asking this, you know, 49 times, blow it right out of the water. What is that? 490, 70 times seven. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Anyways, I don't have my calculator here, but uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, the Lord is just explaining that love 
as as we're filled with His love and we're sharing it uh, to one another. You know, he, he's, he's going to work in us. He's going to sharpen us. That, that love is going to come a little bit easier as we're obedient to him. Verse 13, greater love has no man than to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, the, the Lord uh, had displayed the greatest expression of love and uh, to love others more than ourselves, to consider the lives of others more important than our own. You know, Christ demonstrated uh, his love, and we talked about it during worship. You know, God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. If we submit to him, uh, he'll cause this type of selfless love to grow in us. Remember back in Galatians 5, there's a focus on self and all the destruction, all the things that come with that. And then there's the submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit. And what are the fruits that come of that? Selflessness and love. That's what it is, selflessness and love. You can just break those all down. Of you know, Love's going to help us to suffer long. Love's going to help us. And as we just say, you know what, i I, I got to get over myself, and Lord, I need you. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends uh, for all things that I hear from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that you that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Jesus tells him that here the disciples are now his friends. If you do whatever I command you, you can't be dis disobedient and consider everything to be good. You know, okay, Lord's called me his friend. Now I'm just going to not listen to anything he says. You know, that, that it's, it's as silly as it sounds, right? And then he says, you're no longer servants. You're now friends. You know, they've heard the gospel. They've walked with him. They've seen how he ministered. And <clears throat> he said, you know what your master is doing. Once they've learned and they've heard what Jesus said, and then he commissions them, we know later, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord commissions them and sends them out with a great commission. And he says, he says to them here, I, I chose you, appointed you, that you should go forth and bear fruit. I've, 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 and, and then we know that the Lord says, wait, go to Jerusalem and wait. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, boom, they're going to go out and the, the, the gospel spreads like crazy. And we'll talk about that here as we continue. And he says, ask the Father in my name and he will give it to you. As we're about God's business and doing what he's telling us to do, he's going to give us what we need. That saying that you've probably heard a million times here in this building, I know, but I'm not sorry, is one of those things where God guides, he provides. He's not going to send us to do something with nothing, you know, that, that nothing from him. He's like, yeah, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I want you to go do that. No, go, and by the strength of his spirit, he's going to give us what we need to accomplish what he wants us to do. Verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, and the world, uh, uh, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So he repeats the command to love one another that he gave in John chapter 13, verse 35. It says, by this, uh, all, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
So he's preparing them for the hatred and rejection coming because of his name. And he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you are not of the world, you're in the world, but you're not of it. That's what we're called to be as Christians. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. Somebody should see a difference in our life. They, they, in, in our brothers and sisters, we should be uh, focused on those obedience uh, points that we're called to in our life, that we're not going to partake in the thing that's, that the world is going to partake in. That there should be a difference. There should be uh, something else seen that we are not of the world. You know, chosen by him uh, to follow him. And now if our identity is in him, then we need to properly represent the Lord. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted you, me, then they will persecute you. If you kept, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But also, sorry, but all these things uh, they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. Uh, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and have also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the world might be, a uh, word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They have hated me without a cause. It starts off this portion of scripture saying, a servant has, uh, is no greater than his master. You know, Jesus was persecuted, so would they be. He's preparing them for persecution, to, to be rejected, to be hated because of his name. He's gonna, there, there were times, and physically they're being persecuted, being beaten, dragged, uh, dragged Stephen stoned to death. We see that he comes to faith, and, and pretty quickly in his faith, he's he, he, filled with the Holy Spirit, gives that... that, uh, that um, a sermon for the ages from Acts chapter seven, and 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 uh, we we know that he uh, immediately. I mean, as soon as they receive the Holy Spirit and they're out witnessing and they're spreading the gospel, it didn't take long uh, for him after he was filled uh, to be taken out. Now Jesus is speaking of hatred. Persecution will come. He promised that that, and it did come. And that persecution did ultimately. The ones that were persecuting the church were trying to smother the fire, thinking, you know what? We're, but all they did was spread it, like throwing water on a grease fire, right? It goes, and it spreads everywhere else. Don't do that, by the way. <clears throat> Persecution purifies the church. It fans the flame. You know, Jesus is just telling them. He's preparing them for it. The persecution came, and it's when all is well that the church gets complacent. When all is well, get comfortable, the folding of the hands and get comfortable and everything, and then there's uh, it, it just uh, get to a point of, of laziness. That persecution came. Jesus explains why, because they did not know him who sent him. And he says, when he says, I am the father of one, the religious leaders thought they knew God, but they didn't. Again, they were honoring God with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. And uh, they thought they were serving God by uh, you know, stoning Stephen. And uh, they uh, just they don't they don't want to hear anything 
that he had to say. Jesus says that the, the in this portion of scripture, he says that they are guilty because he came and spoke and they rejected the truth. And now they're held accountable for what they know. And now they have to answer for what they've done and why they've rejected Christ. He's saying, if I didn't come, if I didn't talk, then they wouldn't be guilty. But because I did, uh, they're, they're now guilty. Many do not want to know, so they, uh, they don't want the word spoken. You know, the word brings conviction. We talked about that earlier. You know, uh, speaking of Stephen, remember when he was preaching... And as he's giving the pre, and he's, you stiff-necked and hard of hearts, you know, you, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. What do they do? Shove their fingers in their ears, scream and run at him. Drag him out of the city and stone him to death. You know, I don't want to hear the word of God. You know, they're, 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 they're uh, immediately just persecuting him because of the word of, the God, uh, word of God. Because they hear uh, and they know now they, uh, they're cut to the heart. By the word. Let's finish up here. Verse 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will also uh, bear witness because uh, you have uh, been with me from the beginning. So the Helper, the Holy Spirit, was promised, and he came. Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth is is what Jesus is is describing him as, and uh, He will testify of Me. The Spirit is always pointing to Jesus, always pointing to Jesus. That's what that's what He does, and and everything that He does is consistent with the works and words of Christ, because He's God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's not going to be a contradiction that happens there. He's the Helper the one that would help us in our relationship with Christ, help us in ministry, help us in uh, everything that has that pertains to us being Christians and bearing the name of Christ as we follow him. Then the Spirit himself has his work in teaching and building us and makes us witnesses for Christ. To sum this all up, we're called to spiritual strength. We're called to spiritual health and the spiritual producti productivity. That's what the, we, we're supposed to be. Uh, we're supposed to uh, be strong, to be healthy, and be producing fruit in our lives. That's what this is saying. As the Lord is speaking to these disciples, and they're worried about, uh, like, oh, Jesus is leaving us in their world. It seems like it's getting thrown upside down, and Jesus is, is, is comforting them. And he's saying, hey, just abide in me. Be obedient to me. And uh, they're going to be strong and fruitful. You know, when we consider that, uh, as it says in, in uh, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell richly in our hearts and minds. You know, then we're going to be filled with a selfless love. The Lord called the disciples to love. So there was the abiding in him. There was the uh, abiding and obeying to love. And, and then he's talking of the spirit. And that all of those things are only going to uh, take place in our lives and be a possibility in our lives because of the work of the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit doing His work will produce that love, that abiding, that obedience. Amen? Amen. Will you guys stand with me and we'll pray? Lord, help us to bear fruit that is pleasing to You. Help us to abide in Christ, that Your Spirit would have Your way in us. Lord, that the word of Christ 
would dwell richly in our hearts. Lord, that you would fill us with your selfless love. God, that we would not resist your Holy Spirit, but yield to you. Thank you for your word. Minister to it, to us through it, Lord. Help us to meditate on this and grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.